Smith and Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Hump day edition of Smith and Jones as we get set for the Toronto Raptors tonight and the San Antonio Spurs. Lots going on in the uh, world of sports as well as we are keeping our eye on our, can I say our friends, our friends, friends in Major League Baseball to see if a deal gets struck and goes down. But uh, until that actually happens, at least in this first hour, we focus our attention on the NBA and again, the Toronto Raptors. And uh, how about last night, Jonesy? Lots to dive into, and we will get into a bunch of stuff over the course of this uh, first hour. But how do you not start with a man who we've talked about for, well, arguably all the wrong reasons, maybe all the right and wrong reasons over the course of the season, less about basketball and more about protocols and missing games and everything else. But Kyrie Irving, at the end of the day, folks, is still a hell of a player. And he certainly put on a show last night. It was an incredible performance. Yeah, he sure did. And uh, those are the reasons why last night are the at least 50 reasons why teams are still always willing to take a chance on a guy. Um, he, yeah, even with Kevin Durant there, he was, he was phenomenal last night. And maybe that's the thing that has people thinking this could be Brooklyn. This could be Brooklyn. Maybe the people that set the odds in Vegas are saying that's why we still have them near the top. Kyrie Irving, uh, Kevin Durant was, uh, I wouldn't say he was a bystander yesterday, but uh, he, he wasn't, he kind of stood back and let Kyrie Irving drive. And they don't have Ben Simmons yet. So yeah, there's real potential there. And uh, Kyrie gives them something to talk about other than, at least for today, other than what's going to happen or what might happen tomorrow in Philadelphia, because I, I think that in itself is going to be phenomenal theater uh, with, with Ben Simmons going back. But you're right, Kyrie Irving continues to show why he just don't forget about him as one of the, one of the guys that can take over a game and do you in. And, and it's, it, it, when you have a great player like that that's kind of playing up and down or is, has other reasons for the, in the discussion as we talked about, and then he does what he did last night. You kind of say, oh, yeah, I, I remember he's capable of doing that. You know, you, <laughs> you, you kind of, you know, like, it, it's one of those where um, just be careful because the knife is sharp. It might, it might cut you. And you, you work with the knife every day, and all of a sudden you slip, and it's like, ah, dang, I forgot that knife is sharp. It can cut. Uh, that's, that's Kyrie Irving right there. Yeah, it's funny. Just this, just as a total aside, this means nothing at all to do with sports, Jonesy. It just you saying that. There's something. I'm 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 laying on my on the leather couch right now, Jonesy. You're you're gonna have to talk me through this. I can watch just about any movie or even something real life with like gunshots or like something gory, but when it comes to like knives and seeing like skin cut and blades like whether it's a surgery or whether it's somebody getting cut like with you know stabbed or something that's when i get squeamish like i can i can stare at the worst of the worst like even the, from a sports perspective injuries and all that stuff like we've talked about the garbo injury and other things that happen in sports i can see those and not get overly squeamish but when i see like somebody cut with a knife uh, on a tv show or a movie or you know god forbid in person 
that's when I start losing it. There's something about knives and blades. I don't know what it is. Like, I, honestly, I don't know what it is. It just even you talking about it, I start like, I got the vision. Like, I just don't like knives. Anyways, whatever. That's my own little psychoanalysis for the day. Um, I'm trying to find a segue now. Kyrie Irving slicing through the Charlotte Hornets oh, yesterday, was. last night. Oh, he was. oh my goodness, he was. He really was. And I mean, doing it from inside and outside. 15 of 19 from the floor, but that included nine of 12 from distance. And that, to me, is another component of his game because you think of Kyrie and you think of the handle and you think of the playmaking and you think of the ability to get to the 10 and finish with his speed and with his craftiness and his shiftiness. Oh, yeah, by the way, the dude is a hell of a three-point shooter as well. And, you know, again, we haven't seen him a ton this year, but when you see performances like last night and you think, wow, if he's missing for a game or two or three in a playoff series or the flip side of that coin, when he's not missing, when he is in the lineup, what a difference it makes to that team. And that has to be something that is extremely difficult for Sean Marks and more so for Steve Nash and the rest of the players to have to deal with as they have all year, not knowing when this guy is able to play based on who the opponent may be, based on the city that they're in, based on the matchup they might have in the postseason, etc. And it's a massive swing, pro or con, whether he's in there. Well, just think about the playing scenario now, right? Yeah. Brooklyn's, Brooklyn's in there. They, If they were eight... <clears throat> and they had to come to Toronto, he, he couldn't play, right? He, he, he couldn't play because of, at least now, for, with what's going on in, in, in Toronto. He couldn't play. But <clears throat> if that was the 9-10 game last night with Charlotte and it was on the road and they were 10, he was good to go. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's just... It's it's crazy, and and that's the frustrating part for, um, I'm sure for the Nets, but at the same time you have to respect his right uh, to make his own decision around getting a vaccine. So, I, I I don't know. The NBA hasn't mandated it, not like some other workplaces saying you must, and people have a choice now. As as the old saying goes, you always have a choice. You might not like them, but you always have a choice, right? When people are mandated to either get the vaccine or you can't work here. Well, I'm not getting the vaccine. That's fine. That's your choice. But you can't work here. And I'm sure the Nets are just dying for him. Just just get the vaccine. Just like everybody else has. Just just get the vaccine so you can play. And I, I, it, it's got to be frustrating for them. It really, really does. And... To the point where they've already lost James Harden over, well, part of it right now. Well, and, and you know, Jones, we've, we've often used this line, and I think it's impossible to not um, mix politics and society and everything else. Or as I tweeted out this morning, stealing, stealing the line from our guy Charles Oakley, politrix. Like, to me, that's what's happening right now in our own province, let alone our own country, and arguably globally, period, is the politrix that's happening right now. But I, I don't agree with any of this, to be clear. And, hey, that's just my own stance. I'm not saying I'm right. It's just my opinion. I don't agree with lifting the, the Vax passport. Uh, I don't agree with lifting a bunch of the mandates they have. And I certainly don't agree with what apparently is now coming out official. It's been confirmed by multiple, multiple sources and outlets and whatnot that as of March 21st, 
masks will not be mandated. I don't agree with any of that. But if that is the case, at least in Ontario, let alone other states, other countries, etc., other provinces, and I wasn't trying to imply Canadians were states, but I was referring to the United States. If you're not going to have passports and you're not going to have mandates and you're now lifting masking, why can't Kyrie play then? Like, what's holding him back? Why can't he play in Brooklyn, let alone Toronto, Canada, anywhere else? Again, I don't agree with it, but you've pretty much lifted all the rules. You've pretty much gotten rid of all the rules that were preventing him from doing so. Him and anybody else, the people you just said that didn't want to get the vaccine, that didn't have a job, you can't work here. Well, I guess they can now because we don't seem to have any rules anymore. So why can't Kyrie Irving play? I'm sure that's. Do you have an answer question, for that? Because I don't. No, I don't. I don't, E. And I'm sure that same question, not rhetorically, will be asked in, a, in, in many lights, in many uh, instances around employment. I'm sure those same. And, uh, get ready because we're going to have well, the litigious nature of our society these days. We're going to have lawsuits. We're going to have rulings. And then it'll be the same. It depends on what kind of a judge you get. So, uh, look, I'll, I'll say this as, as we finish our little editorialization here. Oh, I could go on if you want. I, I oh, no, could no, keep no. going. I just, <laughs> I'm... I'm I'm talking from the perspective of somebody that's had COVID, has done his time, and is going to get back to work today. And Good. Looking forward to working with you on Friday again. Masks work. That's it. That's all I can say. For people that say they don't work or whatever, in terms of transmissibility, if you want to limit it, wear a mask. That's all I can say. I, I won't go into all the details. If anybody wants to hear them, uh, they, can, they can send me a message. They can hit me on Twitter, on social somewhere, and I will tell you how I am 1 billion percent positive that they work. That's fine. Um, they're lifting all these mandates and stuff. E, they're lifting all them. That's fine. But if you happen to catch a strain or something involved, like, you know, Omicron, Delta, one of the, and, and you get, and I'm lucky I didn't have it, touch wood, as bad as other people did. It felt like I had a head cold for a couple of days. And that's fine. And maybe the vaccine worked because I'm vaxxed and boosted. But if you want to catch it and there's no masks around, then you just put yourself out there. I know personally, I don't care how it looks to other people, in instances where I feel I don't want to feel compromised, I don't care what people say, I don't give a... Mm insert here I will wear a mask so will I rant so done will I, Jonesy rant uh, done let's I'll, talk I'll, sports I'll uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll well and here's the thing though too we're, all, we're we're gonna see this I would assume and we're already seeing it around uh, certain pockets in the NBA in other cities again in other states that have different rules other provinces that might have different rules if it comes down to the fact that much like when the mandates were lifted for the vax passport and certain businesses opted to keep, um, you know, proof or verification of vaccines. Others didn't, including Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment for Leafs and Raptor games. You don't have to show your proof anymore. I'm going to assume, maybe I'm wrong with this assumption, but I'm going to assume that come March 21st, there will be businesses, some businesses, that attempt to still say you can't come in without a mask on. 
But there will be many others that say, well, whatever, the rule is the rule, the law is the law, the government said this, so we're, we're not getting into this. So we're, we're just, hey, all bets are off now. Well, if all bets are off, then I, I don't know, are we going to be going into games now where the ushers are no longer holding up signs? Like, what's MLSE going to do? What's, what's, what's going to happen in Ottawa? What's going to happen uh, when hopefully we get baseball back in, at Rogers Center or whatnot? I'm assuming there's no longer the sign that's being held up, please put your mask on. And again, I'm not saying if you're comfortable with it, fine, good. If you're not comfortable with it, fine, good. I'm hoping that there isn't finger pointing and judging too harshly one way or the other. But my own opinion is that masks work much like you just said. And I don't plan to wear the mask the rest of my life. But right now, currently, where things stand, as much as they're improving, they haven't improved enough for me to feel comfortable in certain situations. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm wearing a mask 24-7 all the time. Have I had some people into my home that I didn't a few months ago? Yes. Have I, have I done more things certainly outside? Absolutely. But if I walk into a store when we end this show, am I going to put a mask on? Yeah. And I don't see that changing in the next two weeks by March 21st. If I were sitting in an arena, like I've done games now for how many months? Two months? Three months now? I've broadcasted the games with a mask on. I don't know if people have been able to tell. I hope that my voice is strong enough that I've been projecting through said mask. But for at least the next little while, I plan to wear it. I don't know that I'd feel comfortable going to a game sitting beside somebody that I don't know, and I don't know their status, and I don't know their health, and sitting maskless. I don't know. Well, Maybe you and I, I would. have done, you and I have done I games would. together. We've done games together all the way through this, and even sitting... In a studio, probably 12 feet apart, with dividers between us, we still wore masks. Yeah. Like, like that's, that's just how it is. And I can tell you, the one game that I did without a mask, boom, it hit. So, a mask and, and Jonesy, anyway. before you tested positive, when you obviously were, I'm assuming, positive or a carrier... I worked with you. It was only for a few minutes, but it only takes a few seconds to get it. Right. We had, we had masks shoulder on. to shoulder. Shoulder to shoulder. Standing shoulder to shoulder. We did our post-game vlog. And knock on wood, I didn't get sick. Leo Routens did a broadcast with you, an entire broadcast for three hours sitting beside you with a mask on, and you had one on. He didn't get it. I don't need any more proof that masks work. I just, I, I've learned it in the last, if I didn't already know it the last year or two, I learned it firsthand in the last 10 days watching what happened within the broadcast world of my friends and my colleagues and and whatnot so and you just you just said it right there like the 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 example is perfect and that's the that's where we're at now too and folks this is a sports discussion because it comes down to fans in stands and i think it comes down to the organizations too like even with this this the, the the vax mandate or the passport when it was lifted a few weeks back the NBA said, not just the Raptors, but the NBA, okay, this is what it, the case for fans. We're not checking you know, for VAX status anymore. There is no VAX passport. But all employees and anybody connected to the team or around the team still has to show their proof, and they have to be vaccinated and boosted. So to me, that tells me you are clearly concerned about, as you should be, the safety of your players and the risk level, high or low, of your players contracting the virus and thus being sick and being sent into health and safety protocols again and not being able to play for your team. Well, especially at a well, key is, time. 
Exactly. Especially, so especially now, the key time. Yeah. What happens with the folks in Gucci Row? Especially in basketball. Hockey, they're, they're close, but they're separated by the boards and the glass. Not that it's not possible. Football, they're separated by how many feet between the sidelines and the first row of the stands. Ditto for baseball. Again, not that it can't happen, but that's also outdoor, open air. Basketball, they're right on the floor, right next to you. Players are literally rubbing your knee and brushing past you as they go to the scores table and to check in, and they're flying into the stands to save the ball and all that stuff. So are you concerned about that now or not? Well, just just make sure your best player doesn't get it in, before the playoffs. <laughs> 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 it's a different way. Rather than phoning a phoning a hotel room at four in the morning, uh, find out what bar the guy's going to, and send somebody infected in there to breathe on him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't don't order the undercooked chicken just to have somebody go breathe on his door handle. Um, all right, oh. bring it back to the actual. Again, this is sports related. I absolutely sports related, uh, but bringing it back more to the X's and O's. The good news of last night's win for the Brooklyn Nets was that they beat the Charlotte Hornets, so that helps the Raptors in the standings. The bad news is that, of course, Brooklyn won, so they gained some ground. So now, as things stand right now, Toronto's still the seventh seed, Brooklyn's still the eighth, Charlotte's still the ninth, Atlanta's still the tenth, but Toronto's lead now has dwindled down to only two games over the Nets, and it now sits at three over the Hornets and the Hawks. And getting the win last night... Cleveland has now moved three and a half up on the Raptors in that battle, if it's even fair to call that one a battle still, for six and seven if the Raptors have visions of trying to jump up into the top six as Cleveland wins 127-124, the final of that game. I'm not sure that there was necessarily a whole lot else that stood out from last night. The other games I look at, uh, I pretty much you know think that they were all um, kind of expected. I guess maybe Memphis, New Orleans, because the Pelicans have been playing a little bit better since the uh, acquisition of the uh, of CJ McCollum. But Memphis got a big win over the Pelicans. And the one thing I wanted to mention, Jonesy, just on a fun note, because we were talking about this, I believe, what last week when it was the oh, what was it now, the fifteenth or seventeenth year anniversary? I can't even remember the date. What 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 year anniversary it was? But we were talking. Uh, about Jackie Moon and the Flint Tropics and Semi Pro. Yes. Yes. There's Will Farrell last night in full on Flint Tropics gear in his Jackie Moon jersey and the shorty shorts with the headband out on the floor uh, in, in warm ups and then coming out in the layup line with the Warriors. I, I don't know if they're making part two or what the hell he was doing, but there was Will Farrell in all his glory last night at the Golden State Warriors LA Clippers game. Yeah, and uh, warming up with Clay Thompson. You know, having Clay shoot over him as he closed out. And it, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's only only in basketball, right? Like Will Ferrell, like they make that movie and he shows up. And you know, it was funny because did Clay Thompson not show up for Halloween last year or maybe the year before at the arena, yes. wearing like the Jackie Moon ensemble, right? Yep, he did. I'm I'm pretty sure he did. So. Uh, holds a little, uh, a little extra special meaning there with, uh, with Clay Thompson. So yeah, it's fun. I mean, that's that's the fun part of the game. Um, that's that's the really fun part of, of stuff that's going on. And well, I mean, for Golden State, good to see them get a win. Uh, they had been, they've been going through a, you know, I would say a bit of a tough time. But they, they're they're missing some people. They're beat up a little bit. So good for them to get a win. Um, 
and Ede, like you, I keep I keep watching the standings in the East and not there's just kind of not much change as well as everybody's playing and or as poorly. And and at times we talk about how tough the East is and there hasn't been really a whole lot of movement. And it just feels like teams are sharpening themselves for you know the last the last 10 12 games a stretch drive and going into you know playoff and play in situations it's uh it's 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 good to keep an eye on it but there isn't there isn't a whole lot of movement happening right now there's there's games between like we talk about Brooklyn and Toronto we're watching it but if there's going to be anything happening it's going to take a week cuz there's three games between them between Toronto, Cleveland, and Boston, if if Toronto's going to make a move and there's anything happening in the lost column, it's it's going to take a while because there's there's three games between them. Up at the top, it's different, but um, you know, from probably about I don't know five back to nine, for anything to happen or for anybody to make a move, you've got to string some stuff together or hope that somebody in front of you uh, hits the skids to back up. Mm-hmm. Yep, and 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 for the Raptors' perspective, um, they're maybe in the worst spot that you just described. Boston eight and two over their last ten. The Cavaliers just four and six over the last ten. But maybe they're starting to turn around as they've won two in a row. Brooklyn, well, they got one win. They got the win last night. They're now sitting at five hundred. Both the Hornets and Hawks sitting below five hundred, a couple of games below for each of those teams. But it's the Raptors right now that are, are slip-sliding as they have lost three in a row, five of their last seven, seven of their last ten. Um, they need to find a way to get on track. Still no official word on Fred Van Vliet, listed as questionable for tonight. We already know that OG Ananobi and Malachi Flynn will not play, uh, but I, I don't think we can underscore uh, or understate, I should say, excuse me, the importance of Van Vliet, Jonesy. We've talked about it ad nauseum the last couple of days, but we'll keep talking about it. I think it's not just the playmaking, it's everything. Playmaking, floor spacing with his shooting, his ability to get to the rim, so much of it, and how it opens up the floor for so many others. Because Pascal Siakam, people have been kind of uh, critical of him a little bit of late, um, saying, you know, as great as he was before the All-Star break, well, what's happened to him? He's been sliding again. And, and you know, I've seen some garbage on, on, on social media. People are like, oh, how, what do people think about Pascal now? Where are all the Pascal lovers? Look, Well, do people not realize without Fred Van Vliet and without OG Ananobi, teams are throwing double and triple teams at Pascal, and there's not nearly enough room for him to operate now, not that there was before, uh, not like there was before with, with Van Vliet and Ananobi out there. Like, it's it's been tough on Pascal. And and if I was an opposing team, Jonesy, thousand percent, I'd be packing it in on on Siakam and and trying to make it tough on on Toronto because the only shooter out there right now is uh, Gary Trent, and he's been in an awful slump right now. Like Toronto's in a in a dip, and it's it, it's going to take one game, hopefully only one game, to get out of it. But when does that one game come? Is it tonight against San Antonio, or are they in for another tough night? That's the thing when you're kind of playing like this and you're playing under man. How do you get that one win? Because you need that one, and hopefully that can spur you on. No pun intended. Yeah, you, no, you do. You do. And it's the old line that NBA coaches use. Never underestimate how close you are to being bad when you're good and the fine line between how, when you get good when you think you're really bad, when things are going bad. So right. it takes one, and, and you can't – we always talk about this. 
you know, four, five, six game winning streak. Can't get six before you get one. So it's got to start somewhere. And if if you're the Raptors, um, boy, it'd be great to have Fred back tonight. And not that Fred's going to, you know, go for 50 or anything. His timing's going to be off. He's missed a bunch of games. But get him back, start working him in, and start the steps toward, uh, you know, turning this thing around. And, and even if he's on the floor, he's a threat. He's a threat. People have to honor what he is capable of doing. Even if he's not scoring, he's a playmaker. He might score. He, all it takes is one shot. He might get it going. So if you're the Raptors, you're, you're, you're looking to turn this thing around. And, and I look back in retrospect, here we were talking about, uh, you know, after the two wins over Brooklyn, oh, this could be a four-game four winning streak going into Cleveland, whatever. And then it didn't happen. And as much as people want to wring their hands about losing to Orlando and, and, and uh, Detroit, well, Detroit's had their number, and Orlando was the sixth game in eight nights. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's, just, that's just tough. It's just tough on the body, and it's tough on the body when you're, you're playing a lot of minutes and your, your team is beat up. You, have, uh, you, know, you don't have your best players. Uh, in a different time, maybe those are wins, but you, know, you, you take it, and as we talked about, some of the guys on the bench – they're going to get another chance. They're going to get another chance. And they better, they better make use of it. They better step forward or else this team's going to have to, you know, lean on the other guys and wear the brakes off uh, some of their regulars. Um, one last one before we take the break here. We're going to have Alvin Williams joining us in a couple of minutes for Alvin Williams Wednesdays. Uh, I did make note of this, and I forgot to bring it up. I kind of glazed over it earlier when I said there wasn't a whole lot to talk about, but I wanted to mention this because I've, 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 I've dropped this on you a couple of times. Giannis and Tedekumpo last night. That was a win that was already put in the column with a pencil at least. You got to go up and play the game, just like we talked about with the Magic and the Pistons, and they got the Raptors. But I'm sure you're you're Milwaukee. You're looking at that Oklahoma City game, going, "All right, let's put it in pencil, and we'll just we'll 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 draw over top of it with a pen or with a sharpie later on." But we're putting it in pencil right now. Well, they went and took care of business. One forty-two, one fifteen, the final. But the reason I bring up that game, Giannis Jonesy, thirty-nine points in only twenty-eight minutes. On 13 of 19 from the floor, which included a perfect four of four from distance, and okay, it's not it's not perfect at the stripe like he's done a few times of late, and we've noted it. But nine of 13 at the line, and that's saying something for a guy that's been brutal from the stripe in his career. What he's doing this year at the free throw line, and we're starting to see it more and more now from the perimeter. I love Oak. I love Oak. I'd I'd have him on every day if we could. But that will go down as one of the all-time terrible takes when he came out last week or two weeks ago saying that Giannis would just be a guy, you know, playing back in the day in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, whatever, and he'd likely be coming off the bench, and he's not even a special player. Like, Jonesy, if Giannis is making free throws and dropping down threes with everything else that he does, look out. Look out. I agree. (laughs) I, 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 I don't. I look at guys over different eras, and this is the way I look at it when people start talking about a guy in this era, a guy in that era. Some guys couldn't play in certain eras. But when you're talking about the cream of the crop, the elite, they could play in any era. They could because you adapt to what's going on and you develop your skill set 
to fit what's needed. So could Giannis play back in the day? I, look at it. Look at his size. Like, look at his size and his strength. Look at Giannis now. We're not talking about the Giannis that came in as a skinny 18-year-old kid. He's put on, I believe I heard the figure was 57 pounds, something like that, since his, his from his rookie year. He's, I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if that's the actual number, but that's the one that kind of sticks in my head. But you tell me he couldn't play back in the day with his size and strength, and he would fit the game even more in that he's not necessarily a three-point banger running around from using, you know, only part of the court from the arc at one end to the arc at the other end. No, he goes inside. He plays defense. He rebounds. And to that point, E, all this discussion about MVP, like why are we not considering what are we, is it voter fatigue? Are we bored with greatness? Because Giannis deserves to be in that conversation as well. It's a great point. It's a great point, Jonesy. I mean, heck, we didn't mention his name yesterday. We were just no. talking about Jokic and Embiid, Embiid and Jokic. So we're we're as guilty, I suppose, for for not uh, bringing his name up enough and talking about him. All right, let's shift our attention back to. I mean, hey, we can get we can get Alvin to weigh in on on uh, Giannis and the Bucks and everything else as well. But when we continue, we'll shift our attention back to the Raptors more specifically as they get set for the Spurs tonight, and a whole lot more on Alvin Williams Wednesdays on Smith and Jones. Covering the Raptors in depth like no one else. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. The Toronto Raptors tonight getting set for their tilt against the San Antonio Spurs second of six on the road for Toronto and uh, joining us on the line to talk about that game and a whole lot more with the Raptors and around the association uh, former Raptor longtime NBAer, and of course friend of the show Alvin Williams for Alvin Williams Wednesdays Al how you doing today I'm doing well how are you guys hanging in Al go ahead how are you feeling Jonesy I'm good, man. I'm back at it, back in the game, ripping my sweats off tonight and and checking in at the scorer's (laughs) table, man. That's what I'm talking about. Al, you know what it's like when you're sitting down there on the bench and the coach looks down, he he looks to his right, and he he looks to his left, and you look to your right like, coach, are you looking for me? Is it my time? Is it my time? (laughs) And then you make that quick bit of eye contact, then you look away, and he goes to assistant and goes, what about Williams, man? Let's let's give. It. And then you hear your name, Al. Boom, sweats are off. Boom, tearing off. Who am I getting? Yeah. You're running. To, you're running past him to the scores table. Who I got? Who I got? That's me. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not a feeling better than that. <laughs> nothing. Nothing better. And then overcoming the nerves the first time you get in the game and you touch the ball. Like, if it's an open shot, like you got to knock it down. Or if you get it on the first touch, make a good pass, set a good screen, like do something to get in the game. That's what I'm waiting for tonight. There you go. Well, well, what I tell you, let the game come to you, baby. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Don't force it. Don't force it. When in doubt, play defense, rebound. When in doubt, when in and doubt. You, yeah, it gets when in defense and rebound. That's it. Then you get the easy bucket. Now, now everything is wide open for you. 
<laughs> so, Al, um, I, I, I'm going to use this as the segue, the jumping off point to mention or to bring up. Uh, we don't know yet. You don't know. Uh, I'm assuming you don't know about the status of Fred Van Vliet for tonight, still officially listed as questionable. Um, how important, uh, Al, do you think it is to get him back sooner than later? And, 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 and the reason I bring that up is I'll, I'll throw this to you and, and uh, you know, the infamous quote, and I know I'm paraphrasing here, about how, you know, you, like, you'd play on one leg, you'd die on the court. How tough is that for a player right now where I'm sure Fred – the type of guy he is, I'm sure he would use that line too. He'd rather be out there playing. He would play hurt. He would die on the court. He knows how important he is, but he also has to balance taking care of his body and doing the right thing so that he doesn't hurt himself for deeper into the season or into the postseason. But you know what? You might not make the postseason or get deeper into the year if you're not playing now. And the mental struggle that you have wanting to play, trying to get back playing, dealing with the trainers, like what's it all like when you're going through this? Yeah, I, I wouldn't give any young player the viewpoint of a young Alvin Williams at that point. That that was how I was feeling back then. Of course, you know we grew up. That was that was how the mind frame was. You, you played injured, you played hurt, but you know I I paid for it. I paid for it. So I think it's very important for Fred to really make sure he's okay and make sure that he's almost 100% or he's out there not doing more damage to his leg because although the team really, really needs you, they're going to need you down the road as well. And you're going to need your legs down the road. So it's more of a personal thing, but the Raptors really do need Fred. But once again, they need a Fred that can perform out there close to 100%. They don't need the Fred that, that is dragging the leg or, or injured or, or in one day and out the other. So you just really have to make sure he – he, 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 he does the right thing by getting back almost to 100%. Al, put yourself <clears> – <throat> you've been there as a player. Um, probably not in as prominent a role as Fred, but you're, it, it's, it's, it's stretch time now. You know, you got 15, 16, 17 games left before the playoffs, and you're kind of – you're getting past an injury – but you're not 100%, but you know your team needs the games. You, you, you also want to save yourself for the playoffs. Um, you talked about Freddie being 100%. What's a player going through? I mean, you were, you, you know, you were around and, and watched uh, the Raptors kind of go at it at times um, without, you know, without a Vince Carter, right? Mm-hmm. And they made mm-hmm. that made that made that miraculous run at the end of the year to get into the playoffs, and probably should have won the first round series. But how do you balance that as a player, Al? If you're if you're in a position like Fred, I mean it's tough. You know, I'm figuring Fred wants to play. You know, you just look at his makeup, you look at his background, you look where he's come from, you look at everything he's achieved, and and it's come from, you know, hard work. It's come from going out there loving the game. I think that's the foundation of a Fred Van Vliet. And it's gonna be it's hard to turn that off. It's hard to I'm sure it's hard for him to sit there and watch the team play. Then more on top of that, watch the team have struggles where you can he knows that he would definitely make a difference. So I I'm sure it's very hard, but once again, it's balancing. It, it's the same type of pressures that were on us as athletes back then is not always on the same players now. You know, back then you it was a big thing to play multiple games or a whole 82 game season that was you know that was you got a lot of credit for that you got a lot of credit for being an iron man playing like ac green or andre miller 700 and some straight games those same things aren't there 
as far as the culture of the NBA and the makeup of the NBA. So he doesn't have that type of that that pressure. But for him, he wants to be out there and playing, I'm sure. But also it's important, once again, for him to be healthy. Because if he's not healthy, he can't give the team exactly what they need. And we've seen the Raptors' success has come from Fred, OG, um, Scotty, and, and Pascal, and Gary Chen Jr. playing the bulk of the minutes. So he can't go out there and play 20 minutes, 25 minutes. He has to play 38 minutes for the team to be as good as they have been. And it's going to take a healthy knee for him to be able to do that. Hey, Al, I know we've discussed this a bunch over the season because it continued to be an issue, but it's still an issue right now, and here we are approaching the final five weeks of the season. You just mentioned it, the the bench and the starters having to play the bulk of the minutes. I know that the rotation has been impacted by the absence of Fred and OG and now Malachi as well, so I get that everybody's had to bump up a couple extra pegs, and that changes your depth and it changes your rotation. But on that very point, go back to Toronto's last game on Sunday. The bench was outscored 37-8, to and those eight points came from one dude, Precious Achua. Nothing for Young, Banton, and in limited minutes, Watanabe, Mihailuk, and a dude on a 10-day in Armani Brooks. Like eight points, and all of them coming from one guy. I, 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 this, I assume, cannot be sustainable down the stretch. Like... How does Nick Nurse find a way to uncover something or someone or multiple someones from his bench? I mean, it's it's tough because you're just late in the season. And throughout the whole season, you're trying to find lineups. You're trying to find whatever you can find or muster to get your team moving in a positive direction. I, I think Nick Nurse did a great job and the coaching staff did a great job of identifying a lineup that could help them string some wins together, which he did. But, you know, it's also during the course of the season where some people may have to take a role where, say, say, and I'm not saying this should have been done, but just say you had a Gary Trent Jr. coming off the bench or you had, you know, an OG coming off the bench or something like that where you could mix and match lineups where certain people could come in and provide a different spark. Now, will you get the same output and the outcome if you don't have those guys in your starting lineup? Who knows? But... It's just a lot of times about who you have in the starting lineup. It could have been Scotty sometimes coming off the bench. However, however you look to do it, but you know Nick Nurse found a way of putting five players out there and just banking on those guys playing a bulk of the minutes, and it was successful. But there's other ways to make sure your bench is empowered. There's other ways to make sure you're getting production out your bench, but your the roster makeup has to be as such. So it's not always about the numbers that's producing from the bench. But a lot of times it's about the, the matchups, the chemistry, the lineups, and all those things that make sure your bench is valuable. It's not always the numbers, but it is a challenge. It's a challenge, and it's been a challenge, and I think that's been known from the beginning of the season. Does this team have enough depth? Does this team have enough scoring? Al, the character of the, uh, the team, and, and you know, as we've talked about the, the, the developing or the developed culture in Toronto, I mean, you look at three straight losses – they're heading out on the road, um, you know, the second game tonight in, in San Antonio. And then you got some heavyweights. You're going into Phoenix. Uh, then you've got Denver, a couple of heavyweights. And then you go to L.A. where both of those teams are scratching too. And, and you know, you're going in to play them. What is it about the road mentality that as much as people look at this and say, 
oh boy, this could be disastrous. I mean, we've seen this before, and it turns out that the team goes three and three on the trip, or four and two, or it's not the disaster that they they think it. People think it is looming or could stare them in the in the face. What is it about team mentality when you get out on the road in a situation like this? Guys missing, guys hurt, uncertainty that bonds a team to, that pulls it together and all of a sudden you come away with wins that some people deem unexpected. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, it starts with your team has to be good. Your team has to have the talent that can give yourself a chance when you're on the road, especially on a long West Coast trip. And it depends on who you're going to play. Like, and if I'm playing... Sacramento and Lakers and, you know, whatever other teams on the West Coast that's a poor team, then that, that falls in my favor. But if I'm out there playing Golden State and Phoenix and, you know, Denver, then that's another challenge. But it starts with who, who you're playing. It starts with how good your team is and how mature your team is. And then it brings that togetherness. Like, it's one of those things where you don't get a lot of practice time. You don't get a lot of time you know, in between games. So these games are coming right at it. So you got to make sure you're preparing not only prior to the game, but in the game for the next game. So a lot of those things, it takes a lot of discipline and a lot of maturity for a team to really be successful on the road, especially on long road trips. And then once again, it's that togetherness. It's that maturity and that discipline to take care of your body when you're on the road. Like if you're in L.A. or you're in that West Coast and that heat and nice weather and all that stuff, you got to be disciplined to make sure you understand it's a business trip. So it's a big puzzle that you have to put together. But first and foremost, your team has to be good enough to make sure they can go out there and perform while they're on the road, especially against some killers like, you know, the Suns, if they have, you know, Devin Booker at least. But Denver Nugget, and like you mentioned, you're playing against two Lakers teams that at any time they can turn it on and, and be very dangerous. Speaking with Alvin Williams on Alvin Williams Wednesdays. All right, Al, dealing with the San Antonio Spurs tonight. I'm bringing the attention back to that game specifically. Putting you on the spot maybe a little bit here. But Greg Popovich now tied number one all-time for wins. He could set the record tonight and move past Don Nelson if the Spurs can get the win over the Raptors. you have anything that stands out in your mind from either an interaction with Pop or some sort of game against San Antonio, or if not, just even your thoughts on him and his reign as arguably the greatest or certainly among the greatest three, five coaches in the history of the game? Um, I don't have any personal interactions with Coach Pop. Um, just watching him, watching his teams, um, hearing about, how he held the top players accountable. But I just I just always I just admired the way his teams performed. I always admired the personality and the character of his teams. Of course, you know, you have David Robinson, you have Tim Duncan, you have Tony Parker, you have those guys that I watch and then you had your your people that played roles. So it was always amazing how he could get people to conform and how he could get that chemistry within the team. And once again, he held people accountable. He stood on things. And I love to see now, the older he gets, like how other players really embrace him and how he embraced other players when you see at the end of the game, whether he's hugging LeBron James or he's hugging DeMar DeRozan. Like he, what I loved when he hugged Kawhi Leonard and they had that interaction. So that lets you know what type of relationship he develops with the team. But um, I've never had like an intimate relationship or anything understanding of what they do. 
Al, it's it it reminds me of when I think of it in in time. It reminds me of uh, uh, I don't know for lack of a better comparison, like a Bob Knight or uh, like a John Thompson or one of these coaches that like your parents at times they're tough on you and then when you get away from it and you realize what they were doing and you look back in those moments um this this is this is a good thing it was a good thing back then i didn't realize it and i look at coach pop too and al let's face it as 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 black men we see him as a voice uh and you know the the popular word now ally somebody that's okay speaking up to say things around making changes, and I'm sure that plays into a lot of uh, a lot of the way people think and 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 love what he does as well. Yeah, no, for sure, and you know, you touched right on it. He he's not afraid to speak out. He's not afraid to you know talk about what he thinks is right, in which I view the right thing as well. So that was always it's always good when you do have people speaking out, still somebody especially in his position, his notoriety, having that. And just his popularity, so it's always it's good, and that's that's one thing I, I did respect. The only the only thing I did not like about Pop was his halftime and end of the quarter interviews. I hated the way he conducted those interviews and those press conferences. But hey, that's him. He's allowed to do those things. But with that other piece being said, I love the fact the way he stood up for what's right and what's wrong and his beliefs. Hey man, I love the fact that you're now standing up for the for the broadcasters and for the interviewers out. Come on, I, you you are fully on our side now. You you've come to this side now, and you 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 got no you're, choice. You're standing up, I love it. I love it. <laughs> hey, I mean, I can only imagine how uncomfortable some of those people felt on the sideline when he was doing those things. And I mean, it's funny like how sometimes he was. They made it like it was okay for him to do that, which I don't think it was cool. I don't think a lot of other coaches could get away with that, but. Hey, that's pop. So I guess you gotta you gotta take the good with the bad. You know, I can remember Jonesy a, a, a couple of years ago. Um, it was more than a couple because it, it, unfortunately, a couple of years ago, our last time in San Antonio was the day of that 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 Kobe Bryant passed. But I remember it was probably like four or five years ago. The pregame availability out like that every coach does with all the writers and broadcasters and radio and TV reporters and everything else and. Uh, our guy Travis, who you know as well, went in there to, to shoot something pregame, only to be told that, no, Pop doesn't do cameras pregame. Like, what? <laughs> no, no cameras. So he'll talk to the writers or he'll talk to a, a TV or radio reporter as long as there's no camera. <laughs> like, like, so I okay. can take notes, but I can't shoot you. And that, and that was against an NBA rule. That was just Pop and the Spurs doing their own thing. Like, nope, no cameras. No, we're just going to talk. A little fireside chat, but no cameras. Yep, yep. Yeah, that, that, that's Greg Popovich, man. So <laughs> There's not much it's else like, to it's say, like, I suppose. It's like, when you had, it's like when you had me at the All-Star, I mean the championship, holding the boom mic <laughs> over, uh, <laughs> over the scrum. <laughs> and, yeah, and you'd do it now, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? You've learned enough that you'd do it now, wouldn't you, Al? Come on. No. <laughs> oh my goodness! So you haven't really learned. You haven't learned. It's Jonesy. God tells me my first day on the job. Like all I need you to do is hold this mic over the uh, over the scrum. I didn't even know what a scrum was at that time. <laughs> I was like, and, and all I could think about was Mark Jackson and Chauncey Billups seeing me hold the boom mic over the scrum. 
<laughs> and, and all I could think about is I can't be in five places at once, and all you're doing is just standing there, so put you to work. But, hey, you're just thinking, you know. Thinking about yourself. That's all you were doing. Al, Al, <laughs> just think of it this way, Al. That was like, hey, Rook, get me some donuts, man. <laughs> that, that, that's all I saw. That, that's exactly how I saw it. Hold this hey, room, Mike. I need some donuts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but if, if, I, if, if you knew better, you'd do better. I would do it for you, E. I would definitely oh, would do thanks. it for you. Yep, yeah. I, I don't buy that, but thanks, Al. I appreciate that. Uh, all right, listen, we got to fly, Al. Good talking to you, and uh, we'll we'll be seeing you and hearing from you on the broadcast soon. And uh, uh, I guess in person in in a, in a couple of weeks when the Raptors are back home. All the best, man. All right, thank you, guys. See you guys soon. All right, Al. There is Alvin Williams for Alvin Williams Wednesdays, and uh, yeah, you know, I'll t- I'll tell you more about that story. I'll give you. I, I mean, he pretty much hit on most of it, but I can give you more of the details when we come back. It's. Uh, I, I did try to put him to work, but he was having no part of it. <laughs> no, no part of it. Uh, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well.